0: Hi, I'm Mark Schultz, and you're listening to ADA Live. Yo.
1: Hi, let's roll. Let's go.
2: Hi, everybody. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network. I want to welcome you to ADA Live. I'm Barry Whaley. I'm the Project Director of the Southeast ADA Center. As a reminder, listening audience, if you have questions about the ADA, you can use our online form at adalive.org. So, 2020 is a pretty remarkable year for, uh, especially in regard to the employment of people with disabilities. 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA. It's the 75th anniversary of NDEAM, National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And our theme for 2020 this year is increasing access and opportunity. It's also a chance for us to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Vocational Rehabilitation Program. The Vocational Rehabilitation Program, or VR, is under the guidance of the Rehabilitation Services Administration, the RSA, and it's designed to assist people with disabilities to get a job, keep a job, or return to work. Vocational rehabilitation is critical, given that the employment of people with disabilities still remains Disproportionately low when you compare uh, statistics to those who do not identify as having a disability. Currently, 2019, I should say, 19% of people with disabilities uh, were were in the labor force, as opposed to 66% uh, for people who do not have a disability. So, on this episode of ADA Live, we are honored to talk with the Commissioner of the RSA, Mark Schultz, and and Mark, I believe you became director, what, just about a year ago, correct?
0: That's correct. Uh, yeah. A year and a, a couple weeks now.
2: Great. Well, congratulations and and welcome. So, I want to begin, you know, as we celebrate the 100th anniversary of VR, Let's start by looking back at those early VR efforts, you know, Smith Hughes, Fess Smith, and, and other things. So why don't we start with a little history of the, the program and how it began in the United States?
0: Well, as you know, we've been celebrating the anniversary um, of the VR program all year long with a number of events. And it actually culminated June 2nd um, with the um, celebration of the passage of the Smith-Fess Act, which happened in 1920. Um, when President Woodrow Wilson, Wilson signed the Smith-Best Act, establishing a public VR program uh, for civilians funded on a matching basis with states. It wasn't until about 20-some years later that the Barden-La Act made significant changes to the VR program and expanded the nature of the services that could be provided and extended eligibility to people with intellectual and mental health disabilities and created separate agencies to serve people who were blind. Um, and also changed the name of the legislation to the Vocational Rehabilitation Act. In 1954, the VR Act amendments significantly expanded the scope of the VR program once again, and it expanded services to include people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and mental health conditions by increasing the services provided, as well as establishing grants for research and training for rehabilitation counselors and other wide-reaching enhancements. In 1973, the Rehabilitation Act, which replaced the VR Act, uh, brought additional changes to the VR program, and that included prioritizing serving people with the most significant disabilities, and emphasizing evaluation and research, as well as staff training. uh, But most importantly, it provided greater consumer involvement in the planning process, funding demonstration grants for independent living centers, and then Title V of the Act advanced civil rights for people with disabilities by including employment for, uh, in federal agencies, um, through federal contractors, and recipients of federal funds, as well as the provision of federally funded programs and activities. The legislation also tied disability to major life functions, um, and that was kind of the beginning of the shift away from the medical model. Subsequent amendments to the Rehabilitation Act continue to expand access to VR services, um, such as funding the development of VR programs for Native Americans and Alaska Natives, um, emphasizing the needs for serving deaf, deaf-blind, and hard of hearing consumers, um, and also strengthening the priority to serve people with the most significant disabilities and mandating that applicants be presumed employable and, and given greater choice. And those changes reflected, again, the emergency emerging model of supported employment for people with intellectual disabilities. The Workforce Investment Act amended the Rehabilitation Act and increased collaboration between VR and other federal employment and training programs, enabling VR consumers to be served by a variety of programs through the increased coordination under the Act. As a part of this, WIA, Uh, the Workforce Investment Act, mandated equal access to all state and local workforce services for individuals with disabilities. It also strengthened consumer involvement in the VR process, again, by integrating the state rehabilitation councils into the VR agency planning. And then most recently, um, 2014, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act um, affirmed VR's role as a core component of the nation's public workforce system. And it strengthened the goal of equal partnership and providing equal access to customers across programs and services. Uh, It included a specific focus on improving employment opportunities for people with disabilities, with a special emphasis on providing pre-employment transition services for students with disabilities. And it made changes to the supported employment program as well to strengthen the achievement of competitive integrated employment. It also emphasized VR's role in serving businesses to meet their workforce needs. So as you can see, the VR program has a long history of continuing to evolve to meet the needs of individuals with disabilities.
2: Thank you for that history, Mark. That that was great. And as you talk through it, in, in my mind, you can just see the, the evolution of services and policy and how the very nature of how those policies and services have, have evolved along with our understanding of vocational rehabilitation. So that's, that's great. Mark, vocational rehabilitation is, is made up of a number of different services. And I, I would imagine that many folks don't know all of what VR does. Can you kind of give give us an overview of those various VR components?
0: Vocational Rehabilitation Services Program is administered by the Rehabilitation Services Administration and we're located in the Department of Education and are a part of the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services. Um, And we provide the grants to assist states in operating the statewide VR programs each of which is an integral part of the statewide workforce development system. The state VR programs provide VR services for individuals with disabilities consistent with their strengths, resources, priorities, concerns, abilities, capabilities, interests, and informed choice, so that they may prepare for and engage in competitive integrated employment or supported employment and achieve economic self-sufficiency. So to be eligible for the VR program, individuals must have a physical or mental impairment that results in a substantial impediment to employment and who require and can benefit from VR services to achieve employment and maximize career goals. Some states may have more than one VR agency, one for individuals who are blind, and one for all other individuals with disabilities. And priority must be given to serving individuals with the most significant disabilities the state VR agency is unable to serve all eligible individuals. State VR agencies also provide pre-employment transition services to students with disabilities who are potentially eligible for the VR program. In addition, VR agencies engage with employers to increase job opportunities for individuals with disabilities. So some of the services that VR agencies can provide include assistive technology assessment, um, provision and training, assistive technology, funding of post-secondary training and education, counseling and guidance, benefits counseling, orientation and and adjustment training for blind uh, individuals, uh, including um, orientation and mobility training, braille and adjustment to blindness. Also, job readiness and job placement services, funding of apprenticeship training, and, and just to name a few, really, um, the VR program and the services and supports that can be provided are very flexible because they're based on what's necessary to help someone achieve their employment goals. The VR agencies also administer the state-supported employment services program, which provides services such as job coaching to individuals with the most significant disabilities to support them in competitive integrated employment.
2: Over the past hundred years, as I said, we've seen many advancements in public policy for people with disabilities and a a growing understanding uh, that we've moved from this institutionalized or institutionalization or custodial care to, as you mentioned, a social model of disability with community-based supports, which include like supported decision-making, supported employment, person-centered planning, and a, a whole range of other approaches. Maybe if you could talk a little bit about how vocational rehabilitation itself has changed or evolved over the years to keep in step with our understanding of policy and practice. Mm
0: The VR program has a long history of evolving to meet the needs and to respond to the changes that are going on uh, around us. Um, So to help meet those needs, RSA has provided information, training, and technical assistance to state VR agencies, um, and the field, both directly and through its technical assistance centers, on what the current practices are, but also those promising initiatives that have resulted from the changes. So we've, we've moved away and are, are moving away from helping individuals get any job, just a job, right, to respond to that immediate need, to a focus on career pathways and what I would call quality employment to help individuals become more economically self-sufficient. So that's include changes and improvements in services through such things as customized employment, and uh, particularly the focus on competitive integrated employment. The employment is meaningful for those individuals with disabilities um, as they seek jobs. And even now, I would say the challenges that we're facing with COVID-19 in terms of providing services remotely and connecting with employers, students, and other individuals with disabilities has has resulted in additional creativity and innovation among the programs as we look to continue to address those needs.
2: Mark, you know the pandemic has forced us all to change the way we work and how we go to school and and you know I'm curious if you could talk a little more about how the pandemic has affected VR services and and the RSA how you've met those challenges.
0: You know, it's true. The pandemic has created some difficulties, but I would say at the same time, it's created some opportunities. So like many others, um, the Rehabilitation Services Administration has continued to work primarily um, through telework. And our state VR agencies have also continued to carry out their programs through telework and using hybrid approaches. So in-person services with a combination of telework, and uh, doing some of the services remotely as well. They've been using innovative strategies and technical assistance from our technical assistance centers and from RSA staff. So VR agencies have continued to deliver effective services to program participants, as well as pre-employment transition services to potentially eligible and eligible students with disabilities through virtual means. So it's really, they've had to emphasize and strengthen their connections. With schools. As schools are providing educational services either remotely or in person, we've been able to coordinate with those schools and be able to tap into access of those students through those means as well. Clearly, the pandemic has had an effect on all of us um, and also the business community, clearly, in terms of how we approach employment and business operations. We're viewing the remote aspects of business operations resulting from the pandemic as an opportunity for VR participants to demonstrate their ability to contribute to work and to meet employer needs and labor market demands. As employers shift to telework, VR support also had to shift, right? The transition for individuals uh, to telework and working from home um, had to be supported with assistive technology in some cases or other technology, as well as training to help individuals keep their jobs uh, through that transition. In addition, as the economy begins to rebound from the pandemic, we know there's will be many individuals who have lost their jobs and will need to return to work, and we will need to support them as they seek new employment. So our agencies stand by and stand ready to assist them. I think there is also an opportunity through employers, as employers realize that Some of the work can be accomplished remotely. That opens up additional opportunities for individuals with disabilities, as that flexibility around the work environment and the work hours can allow for greater individualization to the um, abilities and needed accommodations of individuals. While there are some difficulties, there are also opportunities out there that we need to take advantage of.
2: Yeah, you know, when talking just now, I was thinking, Mark, that the critical role that VR plays, especially in the economic recovery, because, you know, when you consider that many people with disabilities were on maybe the the lower income level or entry level jobs or jobs that that were the first to go, you know, VR has a, a very critical role in the economic recovery. Mark, you had mentioned a few minutes ago the the Rehab Act of 1973, and, you know, the Rehabilitation Act is the foundational law for the Americans with Disabilities Act, and that was truly a legislative milestone. So let's spend a few minutes talking about the Rehab Act of 1973 and why that particular law is so important for people with disabilities.
0: The Rehabilitation Act of 1973 really prioritized serving individuals with significant disabilities and addressed self-direction and the rights and roles of individuals with disabilities to ensure consumer involvement in the development and approval of the, well back then was called the Individualized Written Rehabilitation Plan, which is now known as the Individualized Plan for Employment. And that involvement was really critical. And as a part of that, Really started to move away from that medical model again by authorizing funding for the demonstration grants for independent living centers, focusing on consumer control through that. That was critical in terms of moving away from that medical model to one of consumer involvement in the process. And I think that to me is really one of the most significant milestones in the program evolution. My background, working in a center for independent living for a number of years kind of shortly after the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 was passed and beginning to be implemented, you could see some of those major changes, the importance of having individuals with disabilities contributing and being in, um, included into that planning process and in the services that were being provided and that move away from the medical models. So for me, that was one of the most significant milestones in terms of the program's evolution.
2: Thanks, Mark. Yeah, so not only... People with disabilities being part of the conversation, but as you mentioned with the SILs, the Centers for Independent Living, managed, operated, guided by people with disability, fundamentally changed everything. You know, thinking back to Ed Roberts and Berkeley SIL and how, how revolutionary that was. So Mark, in 2014, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act that you had mentioned before was passed. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on how WIOA is different from the law it replaced, the Workforce Investment Act, WIA. And uh, if you could talk a little about that.
0: Yeah, with the passage of WIA, it really established the need for partners in the workforce system. First of all, identifying who those key partners are, right? but it created the need for our communication and to work together. What I saw as a director of a VR program in Nebraska during that period of time was that there really wasn't much action that occurred as a result. Implementation was inconsistent across many states as they implemented the program. WIOA really strengthened and increased the collaboration and coordination between programs by calling for alignment of services across all those programs, creating more opportunities uh, for job seekers and connecting them with employers. And that one workforce system model through the alignment of services, I think um, helped to start to create some efficiencies around that to reduce duplication of services, definitely increased collaboration. And I think makes it easier for individuals to get the services they need and connect employers it was critical, I think, to also create this um, the requirement around core partners and other partners and bringing them to the table to the planning process. It was critical to do that to increase communication between all the partners and thus assuring alignment of that workforce system. In addition, I think under WIOA, a major tenet um, is that anyone can work. Um, and that for individuals with disabilities with the appropriate supports, and even those with the most significant disabilities, they can work in the labor market. And that was important for not just VR. We knew that, right? But all our partners under the workforce system, and WIOA, I think, helped to emphasize that. And again, WIOA clearly views the employer as a partner in the workforce development system and for the VR program, Um, That was an important shift away from just serving individuals to serving the needs of the workforce as well and providing for better matches, frankly, between the existing labor market and the needs and the desires of those individuals with disabilities who were looking to get back into the workforce. So one other major focus under WIA is the um, services to youth and the introduction of the pre-employment transition services. For students with disabilities. Uh, That became a major initiative for the VR program, but also better connected with our workforce partners and their youth programs. So I I think those were the changes that we saw WIA to WIOA with the passage of that legislation.
2: Thanks for that answer. That was great. You know, you had mentioned pre employment transition services or PREETs. I think that was possibly the most significant part of the WIOA legislation because that planning beginning long before, you know, transition to whether work or school or whatever is just so critical. You know, the earlier we begin, the, the better the outcomes for people.
0: I wow. absolutely agree with that. I think, you know, working with those students with disabilities and, and helping them to do career planning to do some exploration and, and begin to establish the expectations that they should be part of the um, competitive workforce and um, establishing opportunities for career pathways really will help them um, be able to establish the goal for themselves, right? And see the their opportunities much differently through the involvement of the pre-employment transition services.
2: I come out of having worked in the vocational rehabilitation program in the 1980s and uh, have done a lot of work in supported employment. So states have, either passed legislation or or now have an executive order on Employment First. And Employment First, we know, is a movement to ensure that competitive integrated employment is the first and preferred outcome for people with disabilities and that those jobs have fair wages and offer career advancement. I'm curious what your thoughts are on the intersection of Employment First and the VR program and how do they complement each other?
0: I don't even know that it's an intersection. I think they're parallel, right? And, and really need to work cohesively. As VR programs, as we look at them, I think many have embraced employment first. Uh, there are also similar initiatives that lead to equitable wages and career advancement. What's in common is competitive integrated employment as a goal for all individuals. And that's particularly true for the VR program, but is also the goal around employment first and helping to get individuals back into and into uh, along. A queer pathway um, in, in employment first. In many states, as uh, employment first programs have VR as an integral partner or even a lead in that initiative. So I, I think it's an intersection, perhaps, but also very much an alignment of those services in a collaborative effort.
2: Thanks, Mark. So listeners, again, if you have questions on this topic or any other ADA Live topic, you can use our online form at adalive.org, or you can call the Southeast ADA Center. Our number is 404-541-9001. So let's pause for a moment to uh, for a word about our featured organization.
1: The Rehabilitation Services Administration, known as RSA, provides leadership and resources to assist state and other agencies in providing vocational rehabilitation and other services to individuals with disabilities to maximize their employment, independence, and integration into the community and their competitive labor market. RSA is a component of the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services, OSERS, within the U.S. Department of Education. Their mission is to improve early childhood educational and employment outcomes and raise expectations for all people with disabilities, their families, their communities, and the nation. Ozer's vision is that all Americans with disabilities will live and thrive with their disabilities in their own communities. For more information, please visit their website at rsa.ed.gov.
2: Thanks, Celestia. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Mark Schultz, the Commissioner of the RSA, the Rehabilitation Services Administration. RSA is responsible for the State Supported Employment Services Program, and Supported Employment is a unique employment service for people with the most significant disabilities who require ongoing support to succeed in competitive employment. Mark, could you talk a little bit about how supported employment began and how it's evolved?
0: This is all VR has evolved over time, so has supported employment. Um, The first models for supported employment programs began um, through community integration initiatives in the 1970s. And during that period, advocacy groups began to focus on long-term services and supports for people with disabilities and recognizing the importance of gaining independence through an integrated work environment. It's back in 1978 that pilot projects were authorized under Title VI and through subsequent amendments to um, Title VI that grants were made to state agencies. Um, Today, supported employment programs include diversified models of supported supported employment across the country. The significant changes to strengthen programs occurred under the amendments uh, through WIOA. The program provides grants to assist states in developing and implementing programs to provide supported employment services for individuals with the most significant disabilities and under WIOA included youth with the most significant disabilities who require supported employment services following the achievement of a supported employment outcome. Program funds um, can be used to provide supported employment services once an individual has been placed in supported employment. Those funds can be used for up to 24 months and supplement other VR services necessary to help individuals with the most significant disabilities find work in the integrated labor market. Funds cannot be used to provide the extended services necessary to maintain individuals in employment after the end of supported employment services. There is an exception though, and that's for youth with disabilities under the age of 25 who may receive extended services for up to four years. So as part of the changes under WIOA, um, states must reserve and expand half of their supported employment allotment to provide supported employment services, including extended services, to eligible youth with the most significant disabilities in order to assist them in achieving an employment outcome of supported employment. So while established as a pilot program years ago, the supported employment program has become an integral part of VR and in many ways is um, now been integrated into the services of the VR uh, programs as a whole.
2: Thank you, Mark. So uh, I'm curious, how does the Rehabilitation Services Administration support um, states in, in improving employment outcomes for people with disabilities?
0: Well, I think one of the biggest things we do, right, is to distribute funds to the states to operate the programs. Those funds are distributed based on the statutory formula, and it takes into account the population and per capita income uh, in determining the amount of those federal funds that are available to those programs. The other important aspect of the program is the federal funds um, have to be matched by state funds, and so there are cost sharing requirements under the program as well. The federal portion of the um, program is about 78.7%, and the state's share is 21.3% of the total program cost. So that's an important aspect of the program, the matching funds and being able to have those dollars uh, focus on individuals with disabilities in in employment. But aside from funding. RSA provides technical assistance to VR agencies and our stakeholders, as well as, I think, the timely performance data that's so important to states as they monitor their own performance. We have four state teams that regularly interact with each VR agency to address questions, to discuss their performance, and periodically conduct monitoring activities uh, on-site and off-site, and particularly during this time, we're doing those off-site to ensure that VR agencies are compliant with the Rehab Act and program regulations, but also as partners in this process, we are there to provide technical assistance and support or refer them to our technical assistance centers for further assistance. These activities help to ensure that individuals with disabilities are receiving the optimal benefit from the VR program. In addition to our work with the state VR programs, RSA provides demonstration grants um, and discretionary funds to support national technical assistance centers and projects designed to improve employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities through activities such as the development of career pathways, work-based learning experiences, specialized training such as braille, professional development, and, and more. We share that information in the data, national conferences, um, such as the Council of State Administrators of Vocational Rehabilitation Conference to promote quality employment outcomes. But I think most importantly, we listen to what states need, right? The issues they face, um, the possible support that could be provided, and, and that helps us to shape our own support and the focus of our discretionary grants and our technical assistance centers. For example, uh, we have several work groups right now that include stakeholders and in our VR agencies looking at such things as uh, performance measures, trying to make those performance measures more meaningful to states as they monitor their services and the outcomes. But also another one looking at our monitoring and looking at how we might revise that to make that more meaningful to our programs.
2: Mark, we know that successful VR outcomes lead to increased financial resources. And we know that often people with disabilities are uh, have lower incomes than the general population. VR is critical in that role too, earning a paycheck and being able to support yourself. So what role does do VR counselors play in, in helping their clients make better informed financial decisions that that result from going to work.
0: VR agencies and counselors uh, assist individuals with disabilities by providing benefits counseling and financial planning. That's important both at the front end in the informed decision-making around planning um, and establishing career goals, but even after employment is achieved, through providing some assistance through the benefits counseling and financial planning around the selection of benefits. Many of our uh, consumers may be introduced to programs such as ABLE and PASS, and and PASS's plans to achieve self-support as as appropriate. Um, Guidance and counseling also address the long-term effect of working careers that create opportunities for advancement and livable wages. Uh, RSA continues to also maximize employment outcomes for individuals with disabilities Um, that can lead to financial independence and security.
2: Great. Thank you. And I think, Mark, you had mentioned ABLE a second ago. And uh, some folks may not be familiar with ABLE accounts and what ABLE is. And so ABLE is achieving a better life experience. Um, It is a way for people who, especially for people who have a disability that occurred prior to age 26 and who, are in means-tested programs like SSI. It allows them to build some financial security by using ABLE accounts to save money that do not have an impact on those means-tested programs. As we come to the close of this episode, Mark, put on your crystal ball and tell us, what what do you see are the challenges and the opportunities for RSA and NVR as we look into the future?
0: I think at RSA, our challenge continues to be to anticipate and to provide the necessary technical assistance and support for our programs in order to address the needs, not just of today, but those that we project are going to be coming in the in the future. So clearly one of the challenges right now is the provision of services during COVID nineteen. And what we're seeing and, and what this includes is even the loss of some of the state matching funds because the state's face challenges around their budgets. We're seeing that some states have cut funds, their state uh, matching funds, and that ends up with um, reducing the ability of the VR programs to be able to fully match the federal funds available. And that ends up reducing the available services for individuals with disabilities. So that is a major challenge. I think also the limitations on available resources Due to the increased focus on pre-employment transition services, serving individuals with significant disabilities as they move to competitive integrated employment ended up challenging programs to look at how they may do that effectively. But particularly the pre-employment transition mandate to set aside 15% of federal funds to provide that service, while it's an important service, resulted in fewer funds being available in other areas, uh, other programs. And we're seeing some of the impact of that uh, currently on states is some of them go into what's called an order selection, which um, requires them to place a priority on the individuals they serve. And when they're not able to serve everyone that has a need, those individuals, if um, they're not in an eligible category, would be put on a waiting list. So that ends up with a reduction in terms of the number of individuals being served. Also, the continued alignment of services with our workforce partners continues to be a challenge for some states. Uh, We need to continue to work on that communication and planning to assure the alignment of those services. And then as we look at the outcome and the, the performance of the program, the performance measures need to truly reflect the value and success of the program. And so that's one of the aspects, as I mentioned earlier, of one of our work groups looking at how we can come up with perhaps some suggestions as to what more meaningful performance measures might be in place um, to truly capture the value and the outcomes that we're experiencing as a program for individuals that we work with. And then I think helping to change the mindset that VR and and the perception that VR programs just help people with disabilities get any job and, and take an outcome, and there's no continued support beyond that. And I think the movement to quality employment will require us to continue to work with individuals to ensure that they get into career pathways that can allow them to advance in their careers and to become economically self sufficient. And that will be a challenge um, as we move into the future, but just don't want to focus on the challenges because I also think that there are opportunities in the future as well, that we can build off of some of the things that are happening right now. Um, And and those include increased access to employers. I think through WIOA and the alignment of our services with our partners, that increased access will create job opportunities um, as we are a core member of that workforce um, system and a core partner under that system. Um, Also, through increased access um, through the collaborative use of our resources with our workforce partners. And that's especially important for states that aren't able to serve everyone due to the limited resources. Perhaps uh, could receive some services from our partners. Um, The emphasis on telework that's going on right now uh, through COVID-19 I think provides many new opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Um, So that's gonna require our VR programs to be gearing up so that we're providing the appropriate training and support for those work at home opportunities. And then again, as I just shared as a challenge, um, around quality employment. Uh, that also presents an opportunity um, because as we focus more on quality employment, that will lead to more individuals with jo- uh, jobs that have higher pay and benefits and resulting in uh, not only quality employment, but improved quality of life for those individuals that we serve.
2: Yeah, I like, I like your reference to quality employment. I think that is just just critical moving forward. So it, 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 it sounds like, you know, there are some challenges, there are some great opportunities and, and the future looks bright for VR and uh, for the next hundred years. Mark, thank you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us here today. And I want to thank uh, our listeners, our ADA Live listeners, for joining for today's episode. Again, I'm just grateful to Mark, uh, the commissioner of RSA, for sharing his time and his valuable insights on the past and on the future of of RSA and, and VR. As a reminder, again, you can submit your questions and comments on this podcast online at adalive.org. You can access all ADA Live episodes on our website at adalive.org. Every episode is archived with streamed audio, accessible transcripts and resources. Uh, You can listen to ADA Live uh, on our SoundCloud channel at soundcloud.com forward slash ADA Live you can download ADA Live to your mobile device podcast app by searching ADA Live. We want to encourage you to celebrate, learn, and share about the ADA throughout this year with the 30th anniversary of the ADA. Check out the ADA Anniversary Toolkit at adaanniversary.org. The toolkit is a product of the Southeast ADA Center and the ADA National Network. features logos, social media posts, monthly themes and other resources to keep the celebration going. Also, on a social media platform of your choosing, you can use hashtag thanks to the ADA to share what the ADA means to you, a moment in your life where you were thankful for the ADA. So again, you can share that at hashtag thanks to the ADA. Finally, as a reminder, if you have any questions about the ADA, you can submit your questions anytime online at ADA Live or contact your regional ADA Center, 1-800-949-4232. And remember, those calls are always free and they're confidential. ADA Live is a program of the Southeast ADA Center. Our producer is Celestia Razda, with Beth Miller-Harrison, Mary Mortar, Emily Ruber, Marsha Schwanke, and me, I'm Barry Whaley. Our music is from Four Wheel City, the movement for improvement. Be safe, everybody, and we'll see you next episode.